Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey, and unfortunately, no Jude this week, but I'm still excited because today I get to welcome a guest whose podcasting spread covers both the allure of vampires and the grandeur of Oscar Isaac. She's the host of the Fan Club podcast, as well as the brand new Oscars podcast. I'm delighted to welcome the pop culture fanatic, Leah Carlson Downey, to the show. Welcome, Leah. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's, uh, I'm excited to join you for your podcast. Um, I've recorded with you and Jude once before for my uh, one of my podcasts. Um, so it's a pleasure to be on MCU Need to Know. It's not often that we have the stars align in such a way where the guest that we're spotlighting coincides with the release of this episode. So I'm right. so excited that uh, what we're talking about, people can actually go out there and subscribe to right now. Yes, this timing worked out really, really well. I'm excited about that too. Yeah. So of course, Oscars podcast. I was wondering if you could walk the listeners through the inception of that podcast and what it is about Oscar Isaac that you chose to focus on for this new show. Yeah, so I have been an Oscar Isaac fan for almost a decade. Um, I saw him in Inside Lewin Davis and my life was changed. I was like, who is this man? Uh, so I've been a big fan for a long time. And uh, when I got into podcasting, uh, everyone was kind of joking, like, well, once you start one, you're going to have another one. Like, they're like tattoos. You can't stop. So <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I, I started Fan Club about a year ago. And then in the spring, an opportunity came up to pitch podcast ideas to um, the Daily Drunk magazine. They're like kind of a lit mag. Um, they do like pop culture. They publish pop culture related um writing so like fiction and creative nonfiction and poems and it's all uh, short under 800 words so it's a really fun site and they have a couple podcasts and they were looking to expand their podcast network and I had had this idea for an Oscar Isaac podcast because uh, I have a couple podcasts that I listen to that follow a single actor um, that were kind of inspirations format wise and I had thought Oscar Isaac would be a great candidate for this because he has a varied filmography. Um, he's played lots of different roles. He has a successful career, but it's kind of a weird career. So he's kind of interesting to look at as far as what it means to be a leading man and a star in the 2010s and the 2020s, because he's had a very interesting kind of career path. And yeah, I just love watching him and I love his work and I'm a huge fan. So I thought he'd be great for a podcast like this. So I pitched the podcast. Um, Sean Berman at The Daily Drunk loved it. And so the rest is history. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it starts, it just starts with the fact that I love Oscar Isaac and I love his work and I could talk about him all day. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what will happen. And maybe this is already the case, but what will happen if there's any vampiric Oscar Isaac roles, where would that get categorized? I think I just have to do it on both podcasts. I would have to cover it on Oscar's podcast. And then I'd have to cover it with my co-host Brie on fan club. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could choose. I'd just talk about it twice. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of having to choose between the podcast. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, well, I, won't, I won't make you have to choose. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like we said, if you're listening to this episode the day it releases, which is September 19th, people can subscribe and listen to that podcast now. Uh, where can listeners find that exactly? So you can find us on Twitter at Oscars podcast. It's podcast with two A's because I'm smart. And the title of my podcast is a visual pun and it's an audio medium, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us on uh, Twitter at Oscars podcast with two A's. And then the podcast should be available to listen wherever you usually find your podcasts, all of the usual podcatchers. Uh, you should be able to find it just by searching the name. Oh, fantastic. Of course, all those links will be linked in the show notes as well, so people can go and check that out for easy, accessible links. So our paths crossed because, of course, we cover the MCU here. Oscar Isaac just recently did Moon Knight, which is where I believe you found our podcast through. It uh, is. It is. I found your Moon Knight recaps, and I really enjoyed them. And I've been uh, listening to all of your TV show recaps for the shows that have come out since Moon Knight. Um, so you made me a fan. But yes, that is how I found MCU Need to Know was through the Moon Knight recaps. Yeah. Well, that, well, thank you. And on top of that, if you're listening to this, like we said, 
Uh, if you subscribe to Oscar's podcast, Jude and I did get to join you for that. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, we definitely, of course, are obsessed with the MCU here. But getting to join you on that and having it as a specific Oscar Isaac lens was an approach I don't think we've ever really done before since we kind of have the broad MCU look. So if you are looking for something that's more focused on that particular lens, I uh, I can't recommend that podcast enough. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy to kick off the podcast with the Moon Knight episode that I did with you and Jude. Um, I think it's a really fun episode. I think it's a great way to kick off the podcast. And I'm really uh, yeah honored that you came on. Yeah. So that's going to bring us to the MCU side of things. What relationship of any, if any, do you have with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So I've been in from the beginning. I saw Iron Man in the theater. It came out when I was a teenager. So I was like, you know, prime target. Um, I loved it. And I have seen everything in the MCU. I think I've had sort of my enthusiasm for it has waxed and waned over the, you know, 14 years, but I've seen every TV show, every film that's come out. I, I am invested as much as sometimes it's like, sometimes it can feel a little obligatory um, when you're like, <laughs> when there's so much stuff, um, but I am invested and I do enjoy, I do enjoy most of the stuff that um, has come out in the MCU. And so I, I am a fan. I'm not, I don't have a background with like the comics or anything like that. It's really like MCU only. It's just the films and the shows. Um, so I guess that's like my one caveat, but. <laughs> well, you're in the perfect place for that because I know I don't have much of any comic book background. Jude has a little bit, but even then we've always kind of like led with the MCU first approach mm -hmm. and then diving into the comics. So. You're, you're among peers here. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you do keep up with the TV shows. Uh, we are going to be talking about She-Hulk today, specifically episode five. What, have your, what are your broad impressions of the first four episodes? So to be upfront, I really wasn't sold on She-Hulk right away. Um, mm -hmm. I liked the first three episodes just fine, but I thought it didn't really start firing on all cylinders as a sitcom until episode four, which I loved. I episode four sold me. I was like, okay, I can totally see what this show is now. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so it was kind of a show that's, that's grown on me, I guess so far. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And episode four, what a, what a confident episode so far. And it's five run. So five mm -hmm. episode run. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. Well, that'll catch us up to what we'll be focusing on today. So if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of She-Hulk, titled Mean, Green, and Straight Poured Into These Jeans. That line is so good. I, I've, <laughs> I've been practicing it because it's been a hard time not getting through that without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I can see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, of course, the way we're going to handle this, we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a way for us to talk about the episode without getting into spoilers. And that will be followed by an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, Leah, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for episode five? So my spoiler-free initial impression is that I didn't like episode five as much as episode four, but that's just because episode four was perfect. Um, that's a tough act I, to follow. Yeah, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this because the, the episodes are so um, kind of cameo-heavy and self-contained, but I mean, episode five couldn't be as good as episode four because there was no Madison, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to follow up a character it's like Madison. Hard. Yeah, exactly. Patty Guggenheim was so good. <laughs> uh, but but I felt like episode five was starting to maybe set up a little more of the um, season long arc or like setting up things for the future, maybe a little bit more than something like episode four, which was very kind of focused on the case of the week. You know, I, I'm not that far off from where you're at, I think. Uh, my initial reaction coming out of this episode was that the B plot way outshined the A plot this week. And some of the side characters got a lot of needed attention in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, I still do enjoy it. It was funny. But, you know, Jude and I used to talk about this thing whenever we were covering the Daredevil shows, where because that was written for Netflix specifically, it almost felt like you had this A-B cadence, where episode one would set up payoffs for episode two. And this 
She-Hulk episode really felt like the payoffs for what we saw in episode four. So it kind of has this like straight momentum through it, but the laughs are still there. And as much as comedy is at the heart of the show, that's why it's still enjoyable, if not as good as episode four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that because there is, there is good. There is a continuity and a payoff from season or my goodness, from episode (laughs) four into episode five. (laughs) Yeah. It's, 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 it feels like this weird hybrid of traditional sitcom writing and like almost binge model writing, despite the fact that we are having to wait week to week for She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. I think that's a, a good place to leave our pre-spoiler thoughts. So like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So the way we're going to handle this is we're going to break this down into three most important topics, which are redeeming favors, titania mania, and the drip broker. The first one is really to examine the breakout duo, I think, of this episode, which is Nikki and Pug. So we see there's a a storyline where Pug is asking Nikki for favor of standing in line to go pick up some new Iron Man 3 shoes, which Nikki cashes in to help find new wardrobe for Jen. So before I throw to you, I do have one important question to ask. Are you an Avengers or Avengers fan with an eye? I like Avengers. It sounds like French. It kind of reminds me, I've been listening to the new Beyonce album a lot. And there's a song, uh, one of the songs she, um, she rhymes uh, raunchy and gavanchy. And I think you could get Avengers in there a little bit. I like it. <laughs> See, now what we need is Wong freestyling to that song and throwing in the Avengers in there. Yes, now we're talking. <laughs> that's got to be one of the, maybe that's what the secret post-credit scene of this episode was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. But yeah. <laughs> what about you, Avengers or Avengers with an I? <laughs> I'm, I'm team Avengers. Ever since the credits have been highlighting Jen holding the Avengers mug in the plastic baggie, I've known I needed to get one. Like, I need one so badly. (laughs) And Avengers just fits with that knockoff because Avengers sounds like it unless you can see it. But Avengers works both visually and audibly. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So what what of this uh, section stood out to you? Definitely, I liked seeing more of Nikki because she's been such a, I mean, she's been kind of a sidekick character, but she hasn't gotten that much screen time. Um, But we know that Jen and Nikki are close because one of the first questions when Jen got her job at the the new law firm was like, can I pick my own, can I bring my own paralegal? So we know that they're close and we've seen them, you know, go out a couple of times, but I liked uh, being able to see Nikki's character and her personality highlighted a bit with this B plot. It was really fun. It's always special when you get to see the side characters stand apart from the main characters. That was something that I was like head over heels for in Miss Marvel when they were splitting off the individual friends without having to be there with uh, Kamala. And we're getting a taste of it here with Nikki. And she won me over the moment that they cut to her and she's at her desk like, oh, why does she have to sell these for so much? Oh, because she's rich. That's why you're poor. And she's just like having this conversation with herself. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And it's so relatable. I feel like uh, as, you know, as someone who I don't follow a ton of influencers on social media, but, you know, it's impossible to avoid. And I think everyone's have had those thoughts of like, how is this person so famous? How do they make all that money? And it's like, oh, it's just shameless self-promotion 24-7. (laughs) I could do that too, I guess, if I had the ego of the size of, you know, an ego the size of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, another thing that I like about Nikki that I think you spotlighted is Jen specifically said non-negotiable when it came to the paralegal. So we know that they have a tight bond. The thing that's really great about Nikki is she's both ride or die type of friend, but that doesn't stop her from indulging her own interests. And the two examples that stood to mind is when she was helping Jen at that pop-up like influencer store, but also she was totally getting all those free samples and like, oh no, that's great. I like this one. (laughs) 
as well as when they eventually do meet up with the uh, bootleg merch, she was like, of course I'm going to buy the hat and the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I also, another great Nikki moment is when she and Pug are trying to get in with the actual superhero clothing designer. And she keeps, she's just like spinning these lies to try and get um, her client, AKA she she Hulk in. And you can, when you can just see her thinking while she's like, says one thing and that didn't work. Well, what about this? Well, that didn't work. And then she's an Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, she's very quick on her feet, and I, and mm-hmm. I love how uh, Luke. The we didn't know it at the time, but he spots her. Like I saw you shrug. I know you're not telling the truth, <laughs> but she she never backs down. She's uh, she's mm-hmm. very confident. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I love the persistence and the tenacity. That's the kind of friend you want in your corner. A hundred percent. Now the other friend that we have to examine is somebody I have made a complete one eighty on. When Pug's debut happened, I was a little off-put by him because something felt fishy. But I, I love Pug. And he was already after my heart when they got to the merch. And the first thing he grabs is Captain America's shield. So as like a Captain America fanboy, the fact that that's what speaks to him made me so happy. <laughs> I loved that too, that Nikki was going after like the clothing and he was like, nah, I want like the shield and the hammer. <laughs> he was like going for more of the cosplay angle. <laughs> well, it's such a good dynamic because we're so used to see them, seeing them in their like their professional get up and kind of not reserved, but they're in a professional setting. So to see them almost look like kids just like geared up with all this Avengers stuff was was nice. It was. I agree with you that I've kind of changed my mind on Pug too, because he when he first gets introduced, he comes across as like a little smarmy, I think. And it's I was not sure if he was going to end up being kind of one of the characters in the workplace that's giving Jen a hard time, mm-hmm. or if he was going to end up being more of uh, a friend and an ally. Um, but I think, I think he's won me over by now. He, <laughs> he's definitely um, become a, a good side character. And I really, I'm with you. I really liked this pairing of Nikki and Pug because I think it gave them both a chance to shine a little bit in a way that they needed. On Pug, there's something about that actor. He has a very unique delivery where it both, and I don't, neither of these seem to be true, but it comes across as like what a typical like clueless character would deliver their lines as or a sinister character would deliver the lines. But with him, it's just pure sincerity and he makes it work, which is such a, an interesting tick to bring to this character. So I'm with you. I do see him as like a friend and ally within the workplace. And if they change that, that is going to break my heart so severely. <laughs> I know. I know in an earlier recap, you were, uh, you guessed maybe that Pug would, would turn into a villain. And I was like, I really hope you're wrong now. Like, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Listen, anybody who can drop the line one to rock and one to stock, they have to stay on the ally side of the spectrum. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, well, unless there's any more, I think we can move into the next most important topic. Yeah. So this one is the bulk of the episode, which is Titania Mania. This is the section for us to really focus on the performance of Jamila Jamil as Titania, as well as Jennifer dealing with the pent up frustration of Titania basically stealing her identity all the way through the court case. Starting with me, I am going to start with Jamila Jamil. I think this is the standout episode for Titania because we've seen bits and pieces of her so far, but this is the real focus of what her intentions are, at least the surface level ones. There may be some more going on behind the scenes, but the fact that she was trying to cash in on the She-Hulk name was a very interesting place to put this antagonist, especially because it conflicts with Jin's own wrestling with the identity itself. So I really love the work they're doing here on top of the meta knowledge, knowing that Jamila Jamil is very outspoken against like these exploitive body shaming marketing techniques for a lot of cosmetic companies. And so to see her get to almost lampoon it in this episode has to be cathartic on her front. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, this episode was sort of when we finally got to see Titania because 
Um, I don't think we had heard her speak prior to this episode. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. If um, we did, it was like maybe a news clip. Yeah. Nothing because I Because I didn't realize Jamila Jamil um, is, she has a British accent mm-hmm. uh, normally. And so I didn't realize she was going to be doing accent work for this Titania character. And her American slash like Kim Kardashian accent is so <laughs> on point. Um, it was a wonderful surprise. I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> um, it was really great. It was a great uh it was a great character choice that I wasn't expecting because I know what she's what Jamila Jamila normally sounds like and what she sounds like in other roles. And so I was like, oh, that's a little fun surprise. Um, I won't dare yeah. to try and recreate it. But the line that I <laughs> fell in love with was whenever she's first bringing up her case. And she's like, oh, and I've got a sample of the foot exfoliator here. I'd like to enter into evidence. <laughs> the way that she like shakes it and adds that inflection. <laughs> It was good. I also loved the sort of the ad that they made the the ad for um, Titania's She-Hulk uh, cosmetic products that um, we see Jen watching on TV. Uh, it was so good. It was it just a perfect lampoon of um, cosmetics commercials because they're all just just vibes and no content. It doesn't mean anything. It's just like. <laughs> Complete with like the dream pop music playing in the background and the the reversing sentences. Strength is beauty. Beauty is strength. Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was very good. And I loved the faces Jamila Jamil was pulling in that ad. She was going to the full model. It was good. Oh, even in the, uh, in the pop-up store. Whenever the fan goes up to want to take the selfie and she just like stands in front of her, just towering over the fan, <laughs> she is eating it up and like just really getting to like be uh-huh. handy with it. Yes. Yes. And uh, I, it was, it was nice to see Titania kind of come, come into her own in this episode because yeah, I mean, they introduced that character in the first episode, like so early. And I know that, Jamila Jamil's um, involvement in the show was really kind of hyped up as part of the marketing and the showrunners had said like, you know, she's going to be kind of more of a recurring character. You haven't seen the last of her. And so I was waiting. I was like, when's she going to come back? Um, And like I said, I don't have a ton of knowledge of the comics, but I do know that Titania is like one of She-Hulk's nemeses in the comic. Uh, in the in some of the comics, so I was I was kind of waiting for her to get a, a bigger role. So it was it was nice to see in this episode, and I liked the like influencer spin. That was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's such a just a fun idea. Like we often talk about the MCU and how they'll seed in ways to make this feel like a lived in world. Uh, Hawkeye did a lot of that, where you saw the civilian's perspective of what it's like to live in a world where superheroes are just common, and this feels like an evolution of that of here is a super enhanced person who we we don't know yet, but it doesn't seem like it, at least now. They're not a villain. They're not a hero. They're an influencer. Like they just took their powers and used it for something other than fighting crime. And that feels in line with a journey that Jennifer's on because she has these powers, but she's not really interested in being an Avenger or, or doing the superhero thing. She just wants to be a lawyer. So there's a nice dynamic like inflection between them that they're pulling off here. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing you talked about how the MCU like uh comes up with ways to sort of make the 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 world lived in and and stuff like that. And one of the things that a lot of the recent TV shows have been doing that you guys have talked about on your podcast before is sort of making some of the characters like fans of the Avengers and stuff like that and treating the Avengers as sort of pop culture figures and real heroes in the sort of MCU world. And it's been really interesting to me how She-Hulk has kind of combined those very um, like self-referential sort of moments with these pop culture jokes that reference like pop culture in our world. Mm -hmm. I think She-Hulk has done a very good job of sort of mixing the two so that all of the MCU references and lore kind of feel like of a piece with all of the other sort of external pop culture references. Um, I think they've done a really good job of that in She-Hulk. And like you get one reference in 
episode five, uh, just to throw away one when um, Titania calls She-Hulk Shrek. It's like stuff like that. (laughs) 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 Or when you have, you know, Megan Thee Stallion in episode three, like, I the feel Sopranos like, and yeah, the Sopranos. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like the type of show that she Hulk is wanting to be like this sort of, you know, sitcom, um, this sort of like fast paced, fun, quippy sitcom, a little bit meta, like any, uh, that type of show, not in the MCU would have a lot of like pop culture references. And so I like that they didn't totally eschew that in favor of just having sort of Marvel, related references i like that they mix them all together mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know how you feel about that but i think it's there because it's i mean who other than she hulk who can bridge the world between its like garden of a self-referential world that it's building but also our world as well where you can have the drops like the sopranos uh and all the other ones you listed but also things like in episode two i believe where she's talking to bruce and Bruce says the line, like, I'm a different person, literally. And she turns to the camera and like, ah. <laughs> right, so it, like, yeah, yeah. it bridges those worlds together. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's perfect for the meta nature of this episode. Mm-hmm. Or episode mm-hmm. uh, of the show, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But you mentioned earlier that you liked the way that this sort of case of the week brought up this idea of, like, the She-Hulk name again as something that, like, Jen is getting comfortable with. Um, and I, I agree with you. I really liked the way that this episode sort of was able to structure this case of the week around sort of some, like around a beat in Jen's sort of character development. Um, I like the way that those things worked really well together. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, well, it's one of the things that Jude helped me piece together because I talked about it, like the the cool thing about superheroes is the extreme to a relatable problem to the extreme. And with the Hulk, it's like the, uh, you know, here's my duality of like what I want to be and the rage that makes me turn into who I am. But with Jin, it was such a different inverse where it's not her that's struggling. It's what the outside world expects of her that she is dealing with. And so to bring it here in this court case, even though it's fast paced. She literally has the people she was dating coming to her defense because of the courtroom setting. And that just feels like like working the theme to the superhero genre in a way that's fascinating because all those people are there to defend She-Hulk. But even she herself is like, oh, we won, but Jen's probably going to need some therapy. After this one. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that like in order to win the case, she has to say, I'm She-Hulk, even though the whole time she's been like, no, like it's kind of, I'm just Jen. Like, I don't, I'm not, you know, she doesn't really want to kind of embrace the the name certainly or embrace really the, um, the sort of superhero persona kind of thing. She's like, it's just me. I'm just Jen. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that she has to, say like say and defend the fact that she she hulk to win is kind of it's smart writing it's a nice structure i liked it yeah Um, and and to bolster your point we even get nikki getting jen to open up she goes there are aspects of it i do like the hair the no hangover getting to be safe at night walking home (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah i I am an uncommonly tall woman. I'm six feet tall. And so I like that line because I've been known to tell people like, because of my size and my height, like I sometimes don't feel like I have experienced, you know, feeling unsafe in public the way that a lot of women do just because I'm taller than most men. Um, And so when she said that line, I was like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, and Nikki's little follow-up, oh, every woman's dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I do feel like, you know, being so tall as a woman is something for a long time I like really felt self-conscious about. And so uh there are certain things like that where I'm like, okay, there are good th- things about being tall, and she hulk agrees. <laughs> <laughs> so I still within this section, I think another one of the standouts is Mallory Book played by Renee Elise Goldsberry, who is the lawyer for Jen. How did you feel about her use in this episode? Because we only got a tease up until this point. 
Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed her. She, her character had the best line in the episode, uh, in my opinion. I loved it when she told Jen that, uh, that Jen had to, um, had to improve her, her clothes and that she couldn't appear in court, um, like a football player pleading no contest to a DUI. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that was my, that's the best joke for my money. That one really caught me. (laughs) And what great timing on the show's part with the NFL just started. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was just, that's such a, that, that description was so evocative. And as soon as she said it, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what that oversized jacket looks like. It was just, it was perfect. Oh, Mallory. I mean, she is so straight from the hip because she had Mm -hmm. that line. Then she, uh, she had the immediate laying down the law. We are not friends. I'm your lawyer. You are my, uh, I forgot what she called it, but we're not colleagues. You know, this mm-hmm. is not going to be more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that moment towards the end of the episode when they've won the case and Jen is, you know, feeling friendly with Mallory and she invites her out for a drink. And there's this sort of moment where you think, oh, maybe they are going to be friends um, until Jen blows it. And Mallory's like, <laughs> we're not we're not friends. You're being presumptuous. And she leaves. And it's so in character, like she's not rude about it, but it was kind of a nice return to like uh, how the character is first comes across when you meet her. She's so like, you know, uh, down to business. And, and it was kind of funny that, you know, (laughs) it it almost feels like Jen succeeded in like kind of getting through because there was, they were having that camaraderie of like, yeah, Holloway's never had to prove his value to other men. Or like this, they were bonding over that shared experience of like they're they're the double standard of the office workspace. And you're right that Jen slips up, which on that first watch is like, oh, poor Jen. I mean, she's just dragging <laughs> out two weeks in a row. But after subsequent viewings, it made me really appreciate. Like, no, she she she's on the start of something there. Mallory does revert back to like. I thought you were going to get better clothes and walk away, <laughs> but there, there's a start of a friendship there. I think that's true. I agree with you. I see that. I, I definitely think that they, they will hang out again in the future. Uh, but Mallory just had to, you know, couldn't seem too eager, you know, <laughs> Jen was too eager. So Mallory was like, all right, I say this all the time, but making new friends, it is like dating. Like there is very little difference between like how it feels to like put yourself out there to like ask to hang out with a friend or whatever. <laughs> and I think you can kind of see those rules at play in this, this close to the final uh, scene in episode five where, yeah, Jen gets a little over eager and Mallory's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Mallory doesn't have the fourth wall break ability to just like look at the camera and be like, yes. And so exactly. She's got a player so much cooler than Jen. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because Jen last week dating in your thirties is hard. You were right. Making friends in your thirties is hard as well. It is. It is. Uh, I just moved to a, a new state like less than a year ago. And I, so I'm in the middle of it. I'm like, I need to meet friends. And it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as great as Mallory book is, and as much as I'm enjoying the interaction, I do have one small little curtains may just be blue thing to point out here. Whenever Jen and Nikki are back at the GLKNH headquarters, we see that they run into Todd, who is revealed to be the client of Mallory, which at first doesn't really register, at least didn't register for me, because they play it off as like, oh, this is so awkward that Jen has to reconnect with this very skeevy guy. But it made me wonder, what would Todd need a superhuman lawyer for? And so That's I'm, true. I'm starting to wonder what he's doing with Mallory as his uh, as his lady lawyer, as he so reductively calls it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, he does seem like he's got some involvement with superpowered um, friends and ex-girlfriends. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe he just got himself tangled in one too many things. But that's a good, that's a good point. 
Mm-hmm. Listen, he is the kind of guy that women just seem to open up to, I guess. So. <laughs> God, I, I love Jen's face when he was on the stand. She was just like dying of embarrassment. <laughs> I think like, that was oh, the one God. where she finally like slinks down in her chair. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's just I even repeating so. his line. It's just it's so gross. Like though, I mean, it's the point, right? It's showing the the. Uh, the fallibility of the, the male's perception of the date where all three of them had it completely wrong of how that date. went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Like, like Jen says, that's why, uh, that's why she gets paid the medium bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to be using that in my real life. That's why I get paid the medium bucks. <laughs> uh. So, uh, I think we can transition off of that into the final topic because with the medium bucks is the wonderful, oh, right, my new clothes, which transitions us to the drip broker. So this is going to be the section where we get to highlight Griffin Matthews, Luke Jacobson, as he has been tasked with dressing She-Hulk in her new garb, as well as that cliffhanger reveal of the other client that he has. So, yes. starting with you again, is there anything you'd like to focus on within this section? Okay, well, first of all, I want to see the new clothes. I was like, you know, we we're talking about this delayed payoff. I've got to wait till next week to see the clothes. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw a wrench in this. Does Disney Plus do the thing they do where we don't see the final suit until the final episode? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't shoot the messenger. It's a trend. I think, I think we're not going to see the 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 bonus uh, outfit that he made, that Luke made, that he threw in there. I think that's probably something we won't see till the end. But I hope we get to see like the lawyer power suit at least next episode. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's spot on. They can't tease us that much because we've still got what, like four episodes left? There's no yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, but when I was watching the scenes in Luke's atelier, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> word, um, <laughs> I was like, I was scrutinizing all the costumes. I was I was looking for Easter eggs in all the costumes, and I couldn't come up with any. And then, of course, they dropped the one in our lap at the end. Um, but the whole time I was thinking I was going to have to, like, you know, be a detective about it. And then they just gave it to us. <laughs> Did you... <laughs> Did you notice any any Easter eggs in the costumes that were on the mannequins and stuff? Because I didn't, but that doesn't mean there aren't any. I kept wanting to find one. I was there with you and trying to like figure out. The only one I can think of, and I don't think it counts, is obviously the big reveal is the Daredevil helmet, which is the big cliffhanger. But there is a suit on a, a stand behind the helmet that I thought, oh, is that actually the red suit behind it with the gold helmet in front? Oh. But I don't know if you can call that an Easter egg when it's both revealing the helmet and the piece that goes with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so, true. Uh, are you familiar with the Daredevil Netflix shows? Have you watched those? I have watched them, uh, but I was reading, so maybe you have more information on this than me, but are they rebooting the character? So it's still Charlie Cox, but there's not a connection to the Marvel or the uh, Netflix shows? Or am I misunderstanding that? Well, for full full clarity, I have actually not seen but season one of Daredevil. So I am behind on that regard. But at this point, that's all, the onus is on me, so I, the spoilers don't really bother me. <laughs> but uh, I hear conflicting things because, okay. and it all comes down to Disney and Marvel are never going. Like, there's no incentive to say, like, yeah, that's not canon anymore because why wouldn't they want you to watch right. their product? I mean, but, I feel like She Hulk is case in point. They finally brought in the Incredible Hulk, which they disavowed for years and years, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> Never Very, say never. Never say never. Uh, I've heard it go both ways. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was very adamant that the character that he was playing in Hawkeye is the same character from the Netflix series. But I'm also fairly certain, I, I will have to double check this, and if I find the source, I'll put it in the show notes. I'm fairly certain Charlie Cox this week was, this is a different version than what we saw of Netflix. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of is what Charlie Cox had said. And I didn't know if there was any further elaboration or clarification on that. <laughs> so it may be one of those things where it's like they just cherry pick whatever benefits them the most. But uh, I don't know if we have anything definitive as of yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, they teased Daredevil in some of the She-Hulk marketing, didn't they? They so, did. So I know that people have been kind of looking, waiting for the Daredevil appearance. Um, so that was kind of mean of them to tease it even more in the show. <laughs> you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you read it as a tease because I was seeing online, there's a lot of people like, well, that's, why would you, we know he's coming. What does that mean? But I mean, it's like the fun of it is, one, imagining Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock who is this brooding self-reserved person in a place that is as lively and cool as Luke's place. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we get that reveal of him requesting the suit. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, also, like, Luke's got pretty create, pretty uh, a pretty high degree of creative freedom because, you know, uh, Matt Murdock can't see the suit. So as long as it's functional, Luke can make it look like whatever he wants. <laughs> Very true. Which brings me to this question. How do you feel about the red and yellow, red and goldish look to the new Daredevil suit? I can't say because I have to, you know, I want to <laughs> see the whole thing. I got to see the whole effect. Um, just the helmet. I feel like the coloring is like a little Iron Man and I don't know how I feel about that. Um but I don't know. The way you describe it is much more diplomatic than the way I described it because I kept teasing Jude that this is the Ronald McDonald suit. <laughs> but Iron Man feels nicer, which is in line with me wanting to walk back those comments because I saw this sweet interview with Charlie Cox where he talked about seeing it for the first time and how he this character means so much to him. And he says, when you play a character for so long, you almost take on the fans' appreciation for it. And so when he saw that suit, he immediately was like, oh, they're going to eat this up. So <laughs> I'm, pulling, I'm not going to be as hard on it. Uh, I will say just the gold alone, the helmet, looks cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Colton red is going to look good, but as it stands, yeah. just the helmet was pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I kind of appreciate that they're going for a more colorful look. I think it makes a statement as far as like a new, as far as that this Daredevil may or may not be a new iteration of the character um, because the Netflix show, the palette was so dark and the whole thing was like dark and gritty and realistic. And so um, I kind of appreciate that they're, they're trying to brighten up Daredevil's look a little bit, maybe to fit him better into the current MCU. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I got to see the whole thing before I pass judgment. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll follow up next week. If we, if he makes his full <laughs> debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so though the purpose of the Luke Jacob scenes is really more in line with getting Jen's new attire. Now, something that I love about superhero suits is they really have the potential to tell the micro story of the larger story. Uh, best examples that come to mind is Miss Marvel with Kamala's costume being really reflective of her family history and her own uh, inner circle friendship influences. Uh, Iron Man 3, which is a, a big favorite of Jude and I's, where the suit ends up becoming quite literally, in some scenes, the representation of Tony drowning in the suit because he can't get past the idea of who's Iron Man, who's Tony Stark. And it feels like we're getting a taste of it here. So I'm planting my flag with. You know, we talked about it earlier in the court case. Jen has been struggling with this She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters identity of these forms. And it feels like everybody, both friends and antagonists, for lack of a better way of put it, are all wanting Jen to be one thing or the other. The thing that feels special about Luke is he is one of the few people who is seeing all of Jen because he is tasked with creating the suit that goes between her human form and the She-Hulk form. And that's what inspires him to to take on her as a client. And I like that. And I hope that they keep mining the thematic rich ground of, no, this is the path towards you being who you want to be outside the expectations of others. And it's cool that Luke gets to be that. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that interpretation of of the suit. I think that's totally right on that this, like having an outfit that just fits both of her forms, fits both of her bodies is just like, is a huge step towards integrating She-Hulk and Jen in a way for um in a way that's visible to other people because Jen has, you know, repeatedly said like they're not different people, it's just her and I think uh yeah, I love the idea that this suit is a way to make that more visible for everyone else. Yeah. 
That's great. I know better than again. I know we've been talking about him. His performance was spectacular. The 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 boldness at which he commands the scene, like that scene where he's like, "This is below my time and talent. Leave!" And he yes. just like flings his arm towards the door. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved his line reading of. Uh, um, I don't make basic shit. <laughs> like, he's just like, no. <laughs> or even even when Jin finally reveals that she's a lawyer, he's like, oh, <laughs> oh that's cute. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope he's somebody that stays for the long run in the MCU. Yeah, I would love him for, for him to be like the Edna Mode of the MCU. I'd like to see him make more. Super oh, that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so down for that. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, is there uh, anything else that stood out to you with the drip broker before uh, before moving on? Other than the fact that the phrase drip broker is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. So good. <laughs> so good. Both the way Griffin Matthews lives up to the personality of the drip broker and the way Pug delivers the line when he's first talking to Nikki. What a fantastic phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So uh, that's going to take us to our final thoughts, which is a section for us to either make predictions for next week, uh, share any straight thoughts we may have, or highlight things to consider moving forward. So Leah, uh, what are your final thoughts for this fifth episode of She-Hulk? It felt sort of, I liked the episode, but it felt sort of like a transitional episode. We got like the payoffs uh, from the episode four, where we got all the all the boyfriends from the the not Tinder, I don't remember what they called it. In Matcher, the show, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The not Tinder dates coming to testify in court. And then you have sort of the setup for um, possibly seeing more of Titania and then also hopefully seeing Daredevil next episode. So it felt like kind of, it felt like a nice, like kind of a bridge episode. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, good- just, it, good. it's just a good breather between what mm-hmm. we ended with last week and getting us to what we're going to be potentially dealing with next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a few straight thoughts that I just want to. No, I don't because we talked about them. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I did end up working those in. <laughs> That's the best feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, I will. Uh, I'll go with my thing to consider moving forward. Within the MCU world, we have seen people who have brought forward this respect the hyphen movement when it comes to Spider-Man, Ant-Man, and now She-Hulk. And the reason I'm highlighting this is there seems, and again, this could be curtains or just blue, but there seems to be an emphasis on Titania spelling her products without the hyphen and Jen spelling it with a hyphen, even to the point where Mallory in the courtroom does the hand motion, the hand motion (laughs) of she Hulk. So I wonder if in future episodes we'll see uh, Titania try to get around that trademark with the lack of the hyphen. That is a great observation. I did not even pick up on that, that the there wasn't the hyphen in Titania's, uh, on the labels of Titania's products. Yeah. Uh, you're probably totally right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she said we haven't seen the last of her, hater, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just planting the seed for a potential return of Titanium. Mm-hmm. Well, Leah, I think that covers this episode. So uh just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this. This was really, really fun. Yeah, I had a great time. I'm glad that I could uh step in and uh and uh I feel like because Jew's not here, I'm like subbing in, but that's not fair. I can't replace him. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that I'm glad that I could be here for this episode. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, and uh if, if you <laughs> okay full transparency i was trying to go for like a meta joke and here's the part where we reveal jew's actually been here the whole time he's just been quiet <laughs> <laughs> he's just got but, his camera off <laughs> <laughs> turns out you just didn't have thoughts for this episode <laughs> so you got to see my brain go in two different directions of wanting to make the joke and also be a good host and spotlight your podcast <laughs> All right, so uh, let let me be a good host. And yeah, of course, if you enjoyed Leah, make sure that you are checking out their podcast, Oscars Podcast, as well as Fan Club Podcast. 
Uh, you can find links for those in the show notes. But uh, is there anywhere else that you'd like to direct people to keep in contact with you? Uh, I'm just on Twitter too much, honestly. So you can <laughs> <laughs> you can find me um, on Twitter at the Mingtacular or at any of the um, uh, podcast accounts that I highlighted earlier. Awesome, fantastic. And of course, if you enjoyed this show, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MC Need to Know. But really. The best place to get in touch with us is in the Discord. It is a wonderful community of people who really share a love of pop culture as well as the MCU. And if you're listening to this right now, uh, the Saturday after this episode releases, we are going to be having our monthly game night. So if you want to join us for some Fall Guys and Jackbox games, make sure you're joining that. Uh, as well as joining us on Mondays for the rewatch of the previous She-Hulk episode. So you can find a link for that in the show notes. Uh, and if you want to leave a rating review, we'd greatly appreciate it both on Apple and Spotify that, uh, helps with our discoverability. And of course, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Leah, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me on. It was great. We'll see you all next week. So to be upfront, I feel like She-Hulk was kind of a slow build for me. I was not super sold from the first couple episodes, but I thought season four was great. Or I mean, episode, I'll start that sentence over. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, season four just came out. Breaking news. <laughs> you got my time machine back here. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I... I didn't like episode five as much as episode four. So mm -hmm. my expectations were really high because four was firing on all cylinders. Um, I still liked five. I just, it just wasn't as kind of fast and furious as, as um, did I say season five again? I don't did, know. Did I say season or episode? <laughs> I'm not actually didn't catch that if you did say season, but you can start over if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start again because I think I might have said season. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? This now we're just going to have to for sure bring you back on season five of Shield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm manifesting it. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I am going to start with Jamila Jamil. I think this is the breakout performance for her because we've seen her bits and pieces there in these. Restart that over. <laughs> 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 that sentence became bits and pieces. <laughs> It happens sometimes. You're, just, you're going and you lose it. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I lost the train. <laughs> Let's just restart. <laughs>